This is Professor Allen, and welcome to the Quarter Bin. In every episode of this podcast, I will summarize, criticize, discuss, and review a single issue or two or many from my comic book collection, which I will select at random. Any book from my comic book collection is eligible as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for them. Were the issues worth 25 cents? Were they bargains at 25 cents? Or were they still overpriced? Stay tuned and find out. Although for this episode, that 25 cent criteria doesn't really count. Because for this 135th episode of The Quarter Bin, I'm looking at the books I got at Free Comic Book Day 2019. Because as you listeners are keenly aware, even Shag knows this, free is less than 25 cents. As a matter of fact, I have made the proclamation that the first Saturday in May is and shall evermore shall be the official national holiday of the Quarterbin podcast. And when that day also coincides with May the 4th and Trennis Magnus's wedding day, we know we've got something special on our hands. But first, a little feedback. Luke, Jack, and Eddie from Get Back to the Wrestling and Earth Destruction Directive and many, many other podcasts on the True True Freaks Network wrote in about our pair of Techno Comics episodes. Professor, wanted to drop you a quick note about your coverage of Techno Comics. I distinctly remember the line being hyped in Wizard, with the main selling point being, look at these legendary talents we have brought in for these titles. Less emphasis was, of course, placed on the actual creative teams. I didn't pay them much mind at the time because of the authors I only recognized Asimov. And while I, of course, recognized Roddenberry and Leonard Nimoy, the concepts just didn't fire my brain enough to justify spending some of my very limited comic book funds on them. I'm glad that Luke understands that this podcast is a safe space for discussions about not wanting to spend much money on comics. I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Luke said he did consider himself fairly well-read for a teenager, but it seems the authors I was primarily reading, Ian Fleming, H.G. Wells, James Clavell, were not likely to be aped for comics at this point. Dark Horse did a couple of James Bond minis in the 90s, but I'm still waiting for an oversized comics adaptation of Shogun. Just saying. Both you and Van Allen Plexico, Luke. I smiled knowingly, Luke continues, at the comment Christopher Mills made in his feedback that the primary commercial motivation for Techno was to fast-track these comics properties into film and TV. As comics fans, we like to pretend this is a modern phenomenon, that comics were only seen as exploitable media properties relatively recently, when in fact it's been going on for many decades. It might not have been as visible, but it was there. And if you don't believe me, reread Stanley's soapboxes from the 70s, when he spent a lot of time in Hollywood trying to shill film 
and TV studios on Marvel. Thanks for the great show and looking forward to the free Comic Book Day coverage, Queen and Country, and everything else coming out of the quarter bins, Luke. Thank you, buddy. Yes, there's truly nothing new under the sun, especially when it comes to monetizing intellectual property. Superman peanut butter? Anybody? Dr. Ange wrote in after freely admitting that he hadn't read any techno-comics issues. Ever. I'm also the guy who kind of eye-rolls at Gaiman's Sandman. It's good, but it ain't that good. But I did want to comment on the books which carry a creator's name. It almost makes me think, buyer beware, when I really want to read the actual creator, but I get a ghostwriter or someone trying to write like the original, I give the book less rope. For example, I love American Flag, at least the early issues written and drawn by Howard Chaikin. When he left, the book sort of floundered. A few years later, they resurrected the book as Howard Chaikin's American Flag. Same characters, but still no Chaikin on writing or art. I desperately wanted it to be Chaikin, but it wasn't. It was like reading a carnival mirror version of the universe. Recognizable, sure, but just not right somehow. I dropped the book after the first arc. Had Chaikin been on the book, I probably would have given it more time. But I felt putting his name on it was a way to keep me around. That, frankly, felt like a cheat. It reminds me, when movies promote a creator, but they're in a producer role, not directing or writing. Ponying up money, and I'll add here, or just lending their name in exchange for money, isn't the same thing as being creatively involved. Hope this makes sense, Ange. That makes perfect sense, Doctor. Perfect sense. And we heard from Lizanne Oswald on our recent Techno Comics coverage. Impressive podcast. Most impressive. Technophage was interesting. For Rick Veach, I only read a few issues of Swamp Thing. And Paul Jenkins is pretty awesome. His Hulk was underrated, specifically what he did with Doc Sampson. The Hope thing was cool, but I would have killed the evil dinosaur. He's a fun villain, but he's no doom. So true, Liz and so true. So yes, I'd kill the fancy-dressed Barney. <laughs> On the subject of books being written by dead writers. That is so weird. Like they still have Spencer for Hire books coming out, and Robert B. Parker died nine years ago. Now, as for Castle, that was different, because it was part of the show, part of the fun. Like when Guy Gardner answered his own letter page. We know Castle didn't write it, but it did add to the show. Can't wait to hear the next podcast. You did a great job, and I'm glad to see you can still find good comics in the 25 cent bins. And that is the theme of the entire podcast, summed up right there. Thank you, Lizanne. Good to hear from you. Social media love for that episode came from Pat Sampson, from the Longbox Crusade, David Ace Gutierrez, Ed Moore, from Teal Productions, Old School Ross, Clinton Robison from Coffee and Comics, Bill Baer, from the Bat Pod, CC Keyboard, Gene Hendricks from Two True Freaks, 
Chris Willette, Chris from Bat Books for Beginners, Slangword Scott, Vinny, Gianfredi III, Tom Beach, Kirk Spencer, Big Five Army, Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us, Al, from the Resurrections podcast, Drew, from Comics for Fun and Profit, and also from the office down the hall from me on campus, Lightning, 653, and Laurel, a.k.a. Mountainflower1, from the Batgirl Huntress podcast. Thanks for all that support, and thanks to all of you for listening. We totally, totally appreciate that. And it's time to move on to the main event. This section here of the episode is being recorded a few days before Free Comic Book Day. And I'm going to talk here about my plans for the day, what books I'm interested in, hope to get, and and, and all of that. On prior Free Comic Book Day episodes, episodes 51, 73, 98, and 118, I talked about my comic book shopping habits and also revealed the shocking truth that 2015 was my first FCBD ever. Now, to be fair, M partook of the event a couple times before that when they were at college. But this year, as I write this the Thursday before the event, I need to talk about a particular family circumstance. My father-in-law and brother-in-law are moving from their longtime home of Richmond, Virginia, out to be near to us in central Ohio, into a facility that's about 15 minutes from us. And my wife flew out there today to help them in their last-minute duties, because the movers are coming to pack their stuff on Friday, the day before Free Comic Book Day, or, for me right now, tomorrow. And the movers are coming to move them out on Monday. And the way all of this scheduling fell out, me and M are driving from Ohio to Virginia on, yes, Saturday, free comic book day. The plan for the day is for me to be at our LCS at 10 a.m., right when they open, to pick up my four free books and then pick up M at their house and head over to the mountains of West Virginia. I do have a few participating FCBD shops on a list that are in towns that are sort of near the highways we'll be on for our journey, but I have to be honest, the odds of getting to any of them are pretty slim. It's about an eight-hour drive or so with stops for gas and meals and all that, and we don't really want to add any more time to that. So it's kind of a, well, we'll see situation. But I have looked through the material and ranked my top four books if that is all I am able to get. And that's Doctor Who, which has been a perennial FCBD favorite. In the past, they've done an anthology of short stories when they they had ongoings of the 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors. But it looks like this one is a one-off, maybe an entry-level tale of the new 13th Jodie Whittaker version of the Doctor. Star Wars Adventures, which has been a good FCBD book for a number of years, And it will be May the 4th, so that's obviously a leading choice. Cristiano Ronaldo, 
in a comic that combines an international soccer star and superpowers. It's a combo that just intrigues me. Captain Canuck, another FCBD staple for me. What can I say other than it's Captain Canuck? And I know what you're thinking. What about Lady Mechanica? Isn't she one of your favorite characters, Professor? Doesn't she have a free comic book day book this year? Yes, on both counts. But looking at the cover, it may very well be a reprint of last year's story. I know that Joe Benitez has a new Mechanica miniseries on the agenda for this year, but if this book doesn't contain anything new, I expect to leave it behind. But if flipping through it does reveal that it is a new book with new content, well then, sorry Captain Canuck, you'll be left behind. Also, from what I can tell, there's no DC superhero girls this year, which has been a favorite property of mine for a long time and an annual FCBD highlight. I heard that the woman who's been the writer of all the graphic novels is leaving the property, but I certainly hope that DC continues the line in some way. These are very popular books in the real world, and as the line pushes forward into the the real world or, or, or the mainstream world, I certainly hope that they don't leave their comic book history behind. So that is what I know of at this point in terms of what I'm hoping to get And like I say, it might not be much more than that. I'm going to play some music here, courtesy of the band Comrades, a favorite of me and M's. They have a new album coming out, by the way, called For We Are Not Yet, We Are Only Becoming, available in early June, which can be pre-ordered at facedownrecords.com, which I will also be giving to M as a late birthday present. Enjoy. Okay, I am back, not just back from Free Comic Book Day, but back from Richmond. My in-laws are here in town, here in Columbus, Ohio, and and they'll be moving into their facility in a few days when their moving van gets here. As for Free Comic Book Day, it went way better than I expected. And the day didn't necessarily start that way. I did get my four top books, and yes, Lady Mechanica did seem to be a rerun, which means that the captain, Captain Canuck that is, was indeed safe. But I did get off to a late start, and I hit our LCS, World's Greatest Comics, about 20-25 minutes after it opened, and it was packed, with lots of people buying lots of things in addition to getting their four free comic books. 
They always have a good sale going on, which I did not have enough time to take advantage of. But lots of other people were doing just that. Fortunately, Keith announced their policy that if you're only getting the free books, you can just exit the store and don't have to wait in line. Line is only for people buying additional items. So I told him I'd be headed back this week to empty out my pull, but I just grabbed my four books and headed to M's. And we hit the road about 11, and with lunch and traffic and stops and construction, because West Virginia, I didn't see much way that we were going to get any more than these four books, which was cool. I try not to be greedy. They're free. What more could I ask? I should be satisfied with four, right? Until we switched drivers at one point, and I did the GPS update, and our ETA into Richmond was about 7 p.m. Now, obviously, any stores that far, you know, at the end of the destination, at the end of the journey, would be closed by then or closing right at that hour. So that was a no-go. But then I remembered that my list of stores included one in Charlottesville, which is an hour closer, an hour further west. And I shot Tom Panarese, a text to see if that store, Atlas Comics, was the same one that he and I and Stella visited a couple of years ago. He said it was, and that he had just left there with his son and it had gone real well. I checked with them and with my wife, because I'm not crazy, and we hatched a plan to hit that store, the two of us, me and M, and Panarese was going to be able to beat us there. Even though he'd already visited, the store is only about 10 or 15 minutes from his place. So we all hit there right at 6 p.m. Now, I want to make it clear. I would have invited Stella, who also lives there in Charlottesville. But she was in Washington, D.C. with a group of middle schoolers. So that was not going to happen, which was a bummer. I didn't even reach out in advance to her. And Atlas Comics, how about this? They had an eight comic per person limit, which is the biggest number I've ever heard of. So between me and them, we got a ton. Some of the ones uh, that they got were more for the roommate, not really to my taste, but still, I ended up with a lot to talk about on this episode. And there was a great three for $10 trade sale down from their usual $5 trades that I've heard Tom talk about. M nabbed Shazam Power of Hope and a Johanna Constantine trade of Hellblazer, and I got a Doc Savage trade, and somehow, just somehow, you parents will understand this trade of Hellblazer. I ended up paying for all of those. But then things got ugly. The three of us took a picture, and I tweeted it out, and I made some comment about all the cool people in Charlottesville hanging out, and Stella being in Washington, blah, blah, blah. And then I got a reply from Stella. I got back earlier today. Why did you not invite me? I tried to blame Tom and then M, but it was my fault. And we all missed her very much. And I felt bad that we sneaked into her town without letting her know. But really, I did think she was still out of town. But fortunately, as Shag always reminds me, You don't need to worry about that. She doesn't listen to any of our shows. So there is that, I suppose. And I'm sure eventually 
She'll get over it. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be friends again. I'm going to take a break here and play a promo as an apology. And when we get back, I'm going to talk about all of the free comic book day issues I snagged this year. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. And we're back. I did want to give a shout-out to More Comics, which was a store literally about two blocks from World's Greatest Comics, which also allowed for two free books each year. That meant that I could get six, or when I went with M, we could get 12, within just a few minutes' drive of each other. But the owner of Moore experienced some health challenges over the last year and had to close the store over last summer. If you saw our picture from FCBD last year, with M posing with a Daredevil cosplayer, that Daredevil was the owner of that store. Always a bummer to see a comic store close, and especially when it's for a reason such as that. Okay, let's get on to Free Comic Book Day 2019, and what I'm going to do here is briefly review each one of the books I read from the day in alphabetical order. Avengers. This one had two preview stories, one featuring a team of Odin, Namor, Starbrand, the Squadron Supreme, and others, which mostly just tells me how little I know of what's happening in the current Marvel Universe. The second story is an even crazier team. Punisher, Elektra, Venom, Wolverine, and more battling in the Savage Land. And that story will lead into the appropriately named Savage Avengers, number one. Captain Canuck from Charterhouse, which has become a FCBD regular. This one was a pretty intense book, actually. I would say surprisingly intense. It's a superhero slash paramilitary book 
taking place all over the world, multiple characters, and that certainly gives it an epic feel. The character Northgard also appeared in this one, and that's a title that I had an issue or two of way back in the 80s, maybe the early 90s. An interesting story, Chapter House, did I say Charter House before? Chapter House has developed a number of titles in the last few years, and I think they're interconnected books taking place in a single universe. And no, they don't call it the Captain Canuckiverse, but they should. Cristiano Ronaldo's Strike Force from Graphic India. And if the name Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't ring a bell to you, then this book is not for you. But if you are familiar with the game that the rest of the world calls football, a.k.a. soccer, then this, well, it might be for you. In a book loaded with soccer puns and references, this tells the story of a super-secret global super-agency that needs Ronaldo because of his skills with kicking soccer balls, which happens to actually be needed to defeat a race of invading aliens. I'm not going to pretend this was a great issue, but it was actually kind of fun. Doctor Who. This one had a single story starring the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. And Jody Hauser tells a fun story at an alien amusement park. But these games aren't just fixed. They are fixed by super evil parent-stealing aliens. But the Doctor, being the Doctor, saves the day. Fun little story. Hope from SourcePoint Press. This is a story from veteran comic book writer Dirk Manning about a mother whose husband and child are with her in the family car when they're involved in a terrible accident. She uses her super-secret superpowers, as in, she had told nobody that she was the meta-being Hope. She used her powers to save her child, but her husband slips into a coma. But this public reveal brings unwanted attention, attention from Child and Family Services, for example, who have taken the child into custody to protect her from her super-powered mother. Dramatic ending, interesting setup. I think this one has a lot of potential. And this is what I like about Free Comic Book Day. All of these publishers are equal. They are literally on the same table, side-by-side with the big boys. For this one day, Everyone's on equal footing, and companies like SourcePoint Press have a chance to get their characters and their books into lots of people's hands. Little Lulu from Drawn and Quarterly. Not too shabby, legitimately funny at points. As a result of reading this one, I posted my definitive rankings of Little and Lil comic book characters. Number one, Little Dot. Number two, Little Lulu. Number three, Little Orphan Annie. Number four, Little Abner. Number five, Little Audrey. Number six, Little Archie. And 372nd, Little Jinx. One of the fun things about Free Comic Book Day is the combo, the mix of regular books, if you will, and kiddie books that are on offer. 
So it's always good to see kids at the shops on that day with a pretty good selection of kid-friendly comics. Malika from Unique Studios, which has become an annual offering over the past few years. This is an interesting property because Malika appears in OGNs with the only actual single issues that are ever produced, from what I can tell, are for Free Comic Book Day, which are previews for the upcoming graphic novel, which in this case is Malika Fallen Queen. I believe they focus on ethnically diverse characters. This one has some magical fantasy aspects, taking place both a few thousand years ago and about ten years in the future. It's an interesting character and an interesting storyline. My Hero Academia from Viz. I have no experience with this property, save for last year's free comic book day issue. The lead story has two guys fighting each other, which I'm sure sounds incredibly dismissive to fans, but that is literally all I could make out of that story. The backup, The Promised Neverland, wasn't to my taste necessarily, but I could figure out that it included orphans in a school and... Shockingly, things are not exactly what they seem. Spider-Man. I heard from good friend of the network Luke Giaconetti on this one, and on another issue that I did not pick up. The Spider-Man Venom, Free Comic Book Day, and Valiant. Free Comic Book Day offerings were both good reads, two full, albeit short stories, in each issue, but not preview pages, and not reprints. I did like the Spider-Man book, both stories, no offense to Luke, but the Venom story was, um, let's just say it was my second favorite story of the issue. The second story, which was pretty much the friendly neighborhood and Miles Morales Spider-Man's swinging across New York City to determine which borough had the best pizza, that one I thought was clever and fun, and entertaining. Star Wars Adventures. This was a lead-in to both Tales from Vader's Castle and Smuggler's Blues, miniseries or series that I assume will be starting this summer. This is a tale of Han and Chewie in their younger smuggler days. Fun story, animated style art, and it worked for me. I didn't love the solo, solo movie or the young Han Solo Adventures novels from back in the day. But the comics that I've read from this era of Han's life, for some reason, those have worked better for me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from IDW. Now, I can't remember which podcaster it was, but somebody I was listening to referred to this IDW run of TMNT as the best comic being published today. And this issue, the Free Comic Book Day book, was very good. I'll say that. It was action-packed. Some really good art. But the story seemed to be picking up in the middle of something and definitely is leading into an event, City at War. Again, it was a high-quality story, but I don't really expect to jump into Turtle Comics at this point. But again, it was certainly a very solid read. And I can see, I can understand the excitement that people have about this title. The Tick, another title that has become an annual FCBD tradition. 
the lead story actually picks up right where last year's Free Comic Book Day left off, which is a pretty cool trick to have a stream of continuity running through the annual free offerings. Also in this one, a couple of the one-page stories are quite humorous. A very fun read all the way around. I mentioned the Lady Mechanica issue earlier and me not picking it up because it was a reprint. Similarly, one of the books that intrigued me but I left behind was the Spawn book because it was a reprint of issue one, which I still have in my collection. But I do have a soft spot in my heart for the character, so if it was a one-off story, something new, I actually uh, I actually may, may well have picked it up. But since it was a reprint, I left it behind. Now, technically, Year of the Villain from DC was not a free comic book day book, but like last year's DC Nation Zero, it was a book with a 25-cent cover price that they released the Wednesday before free comic book day, knowing that many, if not all, retailers would use them as additional FCBD giveaways. And this one was a lead-in to the summer's big event at DC, which involves Luther and the Legion of Doom, and the breakout character from the metal event, The Batman Who Laughs. I'm not interested particularly in the big event, but that's because I haven't been interested in any company's big event for a long time. Secret Wars 3, of course, because of the Doom-centric nature of that story. That's the only recent exception. But I do read a few DC books ongoing, so I imagine, like Metal, I'll uh, be able to see the effects of the event in those books that I am reading. And that works for me. But as an intro issue to a big event, this actually wasn't too bad. It showed the action from a couple of perspectives, a couple of short stories. It laid the groundwork in a logical way. And it gave us a great splash page of DC characters, about maybe 30 or 40, including Man Bat, Plastic Man, Shazam, Zatanna, Supergirl, Metamorpho, a pretty crazy and cool group of characters. As a fan of DC, generally speaking, I hope the books in this event and the related minis are pretty good, and I hope they come out on time. Now, one last book that M picked up was another 25 center from Dynamite, Sword Quest Zero, based on the old Atari video game. This looked familiar, and flipping through it, I saw that it was one from last year, which I read last year. So I'm guessing that Atlas Comics, uh, the store I went to with Panaris, had a bunch left over from last year and decided that this was a, a good book to include on the table here in 2019. Now, I've gotten into the habit the last few years of checking in with our good friend, Sir, Rob Lance from the Comic Connection store in Oakville, Ontario, about his store's experience for this year's Free Comic Book Day. Because we are an international podcasting experience. So according to Sir Rob, this year finds us with another successful FCBD. Roughly 50 books were offered this year, with an almost even split of all ages and teen adult offerings. Of course, most customers gravitated toward Marvel's two titles, Avengers and Spider-Man. We also used 
DC's Year of the Villain as a free comic book. Some of the popular surprises in this year's books were a Sheets story, Casper's Spookville, and Blastosaurus. Most attendees were once again families with younger children. If any change in the demographics happened, it happened in the teen to young adults. I spoke with many folks in the 15 to 20-year-old category, with most wanting to move past the superhero genre and venture into something more, quote-unquote, compelling. I think this may be a trend with the popularity of Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which led to a huge run at our store on the trade paperbacks. I've been finding that the 15 to 20 or 15 to 30 year old demo is leaning towards wanting more. Most weekly pickup of books consisting of two to three Marvels or DCs and three or four more indie, deeper reading books, if you will. Some of our better selling indies in that demographic are Gideon Falls, Black Hammer, and Paper Girls. It would seem more young people are willing to give an indie number one a chance than a number one from the big two, but I'm also finding Marvel specifically is picking up more readers' trust lately. And I can honestly say, with reading most of these Marvel titles, so I can better educate the customers, I'm finding that as a company, they are writing comics for the comic readers, as opposed to the film-goer, which has been the norm in the recent past. All in all, we had another great year and enjoyed all who attended. As I've said for years, these people chose us. They came here, and we were their choice. We have to give them our best, which will have them staying. We did that again, and I think we've gained a few more new regulars. I look forward to opening new horizons in our graphic wonderland for them. In closing, I just would like to say thank you to all who lent a hand and to all who came out to share the day with us. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate those insights. Interesting that Umbrella Academy may be a big driver of activity. Good stuff. The verdict. On free comic book day 2019, it was comics. And they were free. I got all of my top choices, and very few disappointed. So it was a great great day. That wraps up my coverage of Free Comic Book Day 2019, bringing episode 135 of the Quarterbin Podcast to a close. Like I said, I was traveling on the actual day, so I did not see a lot of tweets and Facebook posts from listeners about their Free Comic Book Day activity, but I'd love to hear some feedback about what you picked up, what you liked and didn't like, etc. FYI, both Ben Avery at Comic Book Time Machine and Clinton at Coffee and Comics did free comic book day episodes, so check those out for additional opinions about this day. But back here on the quarter bin next time in episode 136, we'll be looking at the last two issues of an arc from a very well-thought-of comic from a very small comic book company. It'll be Queen and Country, 19 and 20, from Oni Press, cover dated October and November 2003. If you have any questions or comments about this issue or the podcast, or, like I said, your experiences with free Comic Book Day 2019, feel free to contact me. Until next episode, I'm 
Professor Allen, and I'll see you in the quarterback. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Family Podcasts. Show notes and links are available at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com, where the podcasts Uncovering the Bronze Age and Shortbox Showcase also make their home. Links to Facebook and Twitter are there as well. Feedback for the show is welcome at relativelygeeky at gmail.com. And if you like what we've got going here, please leave a review and a rating in iTunes. It'll help more people discover the show. Thanks again for listening.